0: and my brother, Dr. Steven Ned, for this week's body chat about auriculotherapy and reflexology. Me? I'm a retired Twin Cities chiropractor currently helping people buy and sell homes in the Tampa Bay and Los Angeles areas. My brother has a thriving chiropractic practice in the Clearwater area of Tampa Bay, Florida. In this podcast, we're going to chat about all sorts of topics related to health, nutrition, exercise, just about everything having to do with the body. You're invited to listen into our body chat, but don't forget that neither of us is giving you health advice. So don't rush off to do something without either checking with your doctor first or seeing Dr. Steven that is a patient at his office. Good evening, Steve. Good evening, Ron. Here we're back and we're getting into some more therapeutic type topics. And this week, we're going to be talking about some offshoots of acupuncture that use the same principles and philosophy, but aren't done the same way that people are used to seeing acupuncture done, which is the little needles or possibly even pressure. We're going to talk first about auriculotherapy, which has to do with the ear, Uh, auriculo meaning ear. And so, what is it and why is it called that? Well, auricular therapy is a specialized form of
1: traditional Chinese medicine that's been around for thousands of years. And it's called that because it works on the outer or external part of the ear, also known as the oracle. Spelled A U R I C L E. Now as to opposed
0: fused with matrix. That's right, you read my mind. That's oracle with an O. <laughs> All right. So what's the difference between auriculotherapy and standard acupuncture acupressure?
1: Well, you know, the obvious difference is that with auriculotherapy, you only work on the outer ear, which has a little over 100 specific points. Whereas traditional Chinese acupuncture or acupressure works on the rest of the body and contains upwards of 2000 points. Uh, In addition, The body points used in traditional Chinese acupuncture are found on invisible energy channels called meridians, whereas the
0: ear points are not part of any meridian channels. Okay. So it is quite different then. Now, what's unique about the shape of the ear in regards to auriculotherapy? There's, I remember very distinctly this being gone over with this by, I think it was Dr. Sundrelich. Mm-hmm. Um, So, why don't you tell the people who are listening what that shape of the ear has to do with anything?
1: All right. Uh, You know, thousands of years ago in Asia, and in particular, China and India, it was observed that the outer ear resembled an inverted or upside down fetus. They then correlated this with the structural and organ anatomy of the body and developed a reflex therapy from this that's now practiced worldwide. Uh, So if you were to look at someone's ear, the earlobe would represent the head and the feet would be near the top. Uh, You know, there's some great pictures showing the various points on the ear, sort of like a map. And you can find these easily by searching for them online. Uh, We can even leave a link to an example of this in our podcast notes.
0: That would be great. Yeah, because it's very helpful for people to see that because it does resemble the fetus upside down and the points on those different parts correlate to the same part of the body. Now, how is auriculotherapy done? Well, you
1: know, after identifying which points on the ear to treat, whether they're used for a specific body part or a particular health condition, there's actually at least six ways to stimulate them. Okay. So, acupuncture needles have traditionally been the method of choice for most practitioners that do auriculotherapy. But it's now basically become the least recommended due to other less invasive and more practical approaches. So let's look at these other five alternatives. Okay. Let's start with finger acupressure. I mean, this is another option, but you know, it's also not the most practical because the small surface area of the ear doesn't lend well for this, especially people with big fingers. Right. So because of this, a small metal tool was invented called the teishin, which looks sort of like an ice pick with a tiny little ball at the end of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, this device is spring-loaded, so it allows you to stimulate a very small point with a pumping action. And this is one of my two favorite methods of choice when doing auriculotherapy on a patient. Uh, the other is a therapeutic laser pen that comes to a small point so that ear points can be stimulated. Okay. You know, I use this combination on nearly all patients receiving auriculotherapy in my office. All right. Uh, another approach is the use of an electronic or microcurrent acupoint stimulator. Some of these are so sophisticated that they not only can treat points, but they can also find points and even indicate when a point has been treated long enough. And then finally, there's acupatches or ear seeds, which are tiny metal balls that are surrounded by a small round flesh colored adhesive that looks like a Band-Aid. And these are placed on an ear point to provide constant stimulation to the point. They can be worn, you know, for many days and are very easy to
0: remove. Yeah, they're like little BBs. I remember when I was in practice, I had a patient who just had a horrible time with dentists and did not want to use Novocaine, which is understandable. And he was going to the dentist, was in the same strip mall as me, and didn't want to go and didn't want to get Novocaine, but it had something going on that he really needed to get some work done. So I offered to do some uh, auriculotherapy. There's a specific point on the earlobe that's correlating to the teeth. And so I put in the, I used actual needles and I had this electric stim machine, which had little jacks that you plugged in these cords with alligator clips on the end. And you then clip the alligator clip onto the acupuncture needle and you can run electrical stimulation through it to like really overstimulate that point and cause numbness in the area. And so I did that, he went and got his teeth worked on, felt nothing, and was just completely thrilled and the dentist couldn't believe it. So there are a variety of things for auriculotherapy that people would have no idea could be done and that's one of them. Yeah, and I got a couple of success stories later on that are right along those lines that you just talked about. Exactly. Yeah. Now, is there any connection between pierced ears and auriculotherapy in certain health conditions? Well, you know, I remember in high school, you talked me out of piercing my left
1: earlobe because you said it was like stabbing and putting a hole in my brain. And I saw an auriculotherapy. you really say that? Yeah. Okay. You <laughs> did. I mean, it worked because I, you know, I didn't do it. I, I saw an auriculotherapy picture, which showed the brain there. And as a result, uh, that did it for me. I didn't do it. So... You know, with this, I decided to search the literature and see if there is any proof that ear or body piercings can be helpful or harmful. Okay. Now, I wasn't able to find any prominent studies on this, although I did find a few impressive studies showing auriculotherapy as an effective therapy for pain. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But I was actually able to find a couple articles on the connection between pierced ears and auriculotherapy in certain health conditions. Okay. Now, the first one not only looks at piercings on the ears, but also other popular parts of the body. Uh, We can leave a link for this article, but I'll just summarize it now. Let's start with the belly button, the navel. Right. So according to this article, this should never be pierced. What happens is it creates a semi-permanent obstruction of the flow of energy through what's called the conception vessel, also known as REN or the central meridian of the body, which is associated with the central nervous system and fertility. So it's been linked to chronic immune disorders, such as multiple sclerosis, as well as female problems, including infertility, cervical dysplasia, and endometriosis. Wow. Yeah. Now the chin is where the endpoint of the central meridian is. So piercing, this could potentially result in grinding of the teeth, increased infections in the mouth, and increased salivation. Okay. Okay. Uh, the tongue is very interesting because, like the ear, it's, it also includes zones that map out various areas of the body, including the heart, lungs, stomach, and spleen, uh, liver and gallbladder, large and small intestines, and kidneys and urinary bladder. One study found that tongue piercings was associated with chronic digestive problems, acid reflux, constipation, fatigue, and increased acne. Now, piercing the eyebrow may produce distressing energy to the body, so that's not a good idea either. And the lip, which is also a very popular place, is another no-no to pierce, according to experts, since it can potentially negatively impact the stomach, intestines, liver, and spleen. And so finally, we get to the ears. Mm -hmm. Now, the interesting thing about the ears is that piercing them seems to have the opposite effect of all the other popular piercing locations. This article, along with the other article, which strictly focuses on the ears, doesn't show any negative effects to piercing the ears. Hmm. And the various recommended areas to pierce have been shown to help quite a few conditions, including stress, chronic pain, appetite control, eyesight, insomnia, allergies, and migraine headaches. Now, we can leave a link to both of these articles about piercings. And, you know, I'd like to caution that these don't have hardcore studies to back them up. So just because they recommend strategic ear piercings for various conditions does not mean that this will or will not work. Right. So, you know, in my professional opinion, I agree that permanently piercing the various body points that we just covered is not a good idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, Putting a permanent hole in any area of the body, including the ear, should be done with caution because you could either be blocking something or constantly stimulating something, which either way could be potentially harmful
0: to your health. Correct. Okay, good. Well, that's a nice look at that. Now, is there a way that auriculotherapy can be used as a home treatment where a person doesn't have to see a physician to get it done?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, anybody could do home treatment stimulation of the points by referring to any of the various auriculotherapy charts. But it's pretty hard to do on yourself because you have to obviously use a mirror, so it would be best done by a relative or friend. Right. Uh, back when I first started in practice, I had acupuncture treatment protocols for smoking and weight loss that included putting staples in the outer ear. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, I remember this was taught by our instructor, uh, Dr. Dr. John Sunderlich. Right. And what would happen is the patient would push on or wiggle the staple periodically during the day to stimulate the points that reduce cravings for either tobacco or for food. Mm-hmm. Well, the only trouble with this was the risk of infection, so I decided to stop this procedure not long after being in practice. You know, I did a search for home auriculotherapy treatments, and I found a set of small bioactive magnets that are placed on the front and back of the outer ear and stay in place, you know, since they're magnets. hmm So they're designed to stimulate nerve endings on precise points on the ear to release natural painkillers called endorphins in the brain to curb tobacco cravings. Mm -hmm. And these were especially popular back in 2007, and they've made a comeback with several websites selling them with lots of success stories.
0: My only question would be, will they affect your Bluetooth headset? (laughs) That is a good question. I can just see it's It's like possible. Yeah, my Crohn's disease is cleared up, but I can't listen to music anymore. <laughs> it all comes out garbled for some reason. Oh, my. All right. Now, you talked about in your practice. So, do you, and you mentioned this earlier. So, can you tell us about any personal experience that you have had using auricular therapy on your patients? Well, yeah,
1: I've used it uh, quite often for quitting smoking. And with that, there's a protocol that involves stimulating six different points on each ear. Mm hmm. Uh, like I said earlier, my two treatment methods of choice for these points are a combination of using the Taishin and the therapeutic laser pen instead of using needles. Mm-hmm. You know, I do, however, use needles on several other body points that I normally treat along with these ear points. And you know, I've had pretty good success with this uh, through the years with it taking on average around three to four treatments to do the job. For more information on this and additional things that I incorporate into the quitting smoking protocol, you can refer to our podcast on smoking number 46. Now, a couple of things having to do with dental work, you know, you mentioned earlier about that patient that you treated with the the needles and electrostim. Mm -hmm. Well, if you recall, when our mom was alive, she had a sensitivity to Novocaine also when receiving dental treatments. So instead of receiving Novocaine shots, she would have me pierce her ears with small acupuncture needles, and she would keep them in before and during her dental visits. And the dentist was totally, you know, he's totally fine with this and was amazed that she would be able to have, you know, sometimes even major dental work with no anesthetic and was pain-free. I mean, incredible. I know. It's amazing. Yeah. I also like to share my own experience with this, and that's when I had my four wisdom teeth uh, removed. About 20 years ago, I needed to have all of them pulled out, and I opted to do all of them in one visit. The oral surgeon recommended giving me general anesthesia and knocking me out, but I wasn't real keen on that idea, and instead I asked if I could just have Novocaine. So he agreed to that and suggested that if it got a little rough, then to consider general anesthesia. Right. So I said, okay. Well, on the day of the surgery, the idea struck me to bring my acupuncture needles and see if he would agree to inserting them in my ear. Uh, I actually brought Uh, with me an auriculotherapy chart showing the upper and lower jaw teeth anesthesia points, which are both on the earlobe. Mm -hmm. So instead of telling me, oh, no, you know, no way we're not going to do that. He was really cool about it. And in fact, his partner came in wanting to take part in it too, because he said, you know, I've heard about this and I always wanted to witness it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, it just couldn't get any better. It was awesome. They were like totally hip to the idea. So after they put the needles in each earlobe, I received two shots of Novocaine in each of the four quadrants. Okay. Now, normally when receiving Novocaine shots, the dentist puts some of that pink anesthetic on the tissue first to dull the area. Right. But I mean, you still feel that shot and you still, you see that horse needle coming at you and you usually feel it entering. But with the needles in, I felt nothing, even though I knew I was receiving the shot. I mean, it was, it was incredible. It was, it was, I, I couldn't believe it. So anyway, you know, he removed the first three teeth easily within about 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. But the fourth one was impacted. So that required him to cut into the jaw tissue and break the tooth in half and pull each piece out. So that took quite a bit of time. But I felt no pain the entire time. That's great. Yeah. He kept asking me how I was doing and I kept mumbling, okay, with my thumbs up, you know, Mm -hmm. didn't really say, okay, I was like, okay. So after the procedure, I kept the needles in my earlobes for a few hours but as soon as I took them out, I mean, the pain turned on with a vengeance and even Vicodin barely touched it. Wow! So I should have, you know, I should have just kept the needles in as long as possible or at least replaced them with the AccuPatches. Right. I obviously had to take the needles out to be able to sleep. But if I can go back, I would definitely, I would, definitely would have kept them in until then, you know, going to bed and then replace them with the AccuPatches.
0: Yep. That would make sense. Well, that's great. Yeah, people don't realize how many different alternative things there are out there that they can do where they don't have to just follow a medical doctor's advice of take this prescription, even though it can cause you to lose all of your hair and your teeth fall out and become impotent and die. There's things people can do that are alternative in most cases. Do you remember
1: back uh, in the early 70s when Nixon went to China, he brought back the Chinese doctors, and then they they actually showed a live brain surgery on TV, and this
0: person was talking to them the whole time. You see their skull was open. I don't remember that. Yeah. That sounds like one of the Hannibal Lecter movies. <laughs> Not quite. Yeah, well. Anyway, now we're going to move on to the next topic for today, which is foot reflexology, which... Is similar in a way, but not exactly. But it is another alternative thing that people can learn about and even utilize themselves, or see somebody like yourself to get help with. So, what is foot reflexology, and why is it called reflexology? Well, foot reflexology is simply known as reflexology, and sometimes
1: called zone therapy. Uh, like auricular therapy, you know, comes from traditional Chinese medicine and involves applying pressure to the feet. And also the hands, with the theory that areas of the foot and hands correspond to organs and systems of the body. It's called reflexology because the specific points that are rubbed are known as reflex points, since massaging them creates an effect on a seemingly unrelated
0: remote area of the body. Okay. So what is it used for most commonly? Well, there's some limited studies showing that foot reflexology
1: can reduce stress and anxiety, reduce pain. Lift one's mood and improve general well being. And these tend to be the things that people most commonly receive foot reflexology for. Mm-hmm. In addition to this, people have reported that foot reflexologies help them boost their immune system, fight cancer, get over colds and bacterial infections, clear up sinus issues, recover from back problems, correct hormonal imbalances, boost fertility, improve digestion ease arthritis pain, and treat nerve problems and numbness called peripheral neuropathy, which can occur from receiving cancer drugs.
0: Wow. Yeah. All right. So that's quite a broad spectrum of different types of things that it can help with, or that at least people have found that it can help with. Now, are there any reflexology charts that people can use for home therapy? Because I think with the foot and the hand, they'd be able to do something for themselves because they don't have to try and twist around to look at their ear. They can just hold their hand or their foot in front of them. So where would are there any charts? And if so, where would people find them?
1: Well, I mean, if you go online, you can easily find foot reflexology charts on any search. If you want to purchase one, then you can find some on amazon.com also. Uh, we can leave a link to a chart found on Pinterest, which you'll see the chart for this at the top of the page when you click on it and then if you scroll down the page there's also
0: an auricular therapy picture as well as a hand reflexology chart all right good so those are two different types of therapies that people can seek out and can utilize as an alternative sometimes not all the time but sometimes and so that's what we're trying to provide people information about now is there anything else you'd like to say about either of these topics before we end Well, yeah. I mean, we covered the
1: feet, hands, tongue, and ears in this podcast as far as having remote reflex connections to other parts of the body.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, there's actually at least two other areas that have similar approaches. Okay. First of all, there's iridology, which is the study of the iris and its connection to the rest of the body. You know, the eyes have been called the windows to the soul and the iris has been referred to as the mirror of the body. Okay. So there are eye charts showing the iris as a map of the body, just like the ear and foot. The right eye represents the right side of the body and the left eye, the left side of the body. Now, instead of treating the eye itself, you just look at it and observe various phenomena that can occur and you notice precisely where in the iris that these things are occurring to help potentially identify specific body conditions. For example, in podcast number 20 on headaches, I gave an example of a patient who had terrible migraines and traveled a long distance to see me with her daughter. And her eyes were very unique in that her left eye iris was blue, but her right eye iris was also blue. But if you looked at it uh, like a clock, it was orange between 4 o'clock and 8 o'clock. So in my iridology reference book, an orange color in the iris indicates potential liver or gallbladder genetic weakness. Also in her right eye around where 8 o'clock is on a clock, She had a very distinct bright white circle or halo there. This specific spot correlates with the gallbladder, and bright white can indicate acute inflammation. So I poked around where her gallbladder is, just under her front right rib cage, and it was extremely tender. And she admitted to having digestive complaints that tend to occur with gallbladder dysfunction. In addition, the gallbladder acupuncture meridian wraps around the ear and is often associated with migraine headaches that occur near the temples. Hmm. So that iridology analysis tipped me off that, you know, she could be having gallbladder related headaches and her treatment program included a specific supplement to handle the gallbladder along with a chiropractic adjustment and acupuncture. I mean, this really worked. And when she returned two weeks later, her headaches never returned. and She was very happy and grateful, even though at first she told her daughter it was a waste of time that she didn't feel any better and that I was a quack on the way home from her first visit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But she apologized when she came in for her return visit. You know, I go a little, a little more into detail about this, uh, what happened in, uh, in podcast number 20, if you want to go back and hear about the whole thing.
0: Right. I remember that. Yeah.
1: Now the other thing is a Meridian tooth chart. And I've seen this and I'm not as familiar with this as I am with iridology, auriculotherapy, or foot reflexology, but it's similar in that each tooth has a reflex connection to various remote body parts. Correct. And some alternative practitioners and dentists, including some local dentists here in Clearwater, use this as a tool to help treat malfunctioning body parts and various health conditions too.
0: That's correct. I remember learning about that years ago, because if you have an infection or decay in a specific tooth, or you have gum disease in a certain area, you can develop certain physical conditions or diseases in the related area. And yeah, it's an important thing to know.
1: Yeah. I just wanted to point out that on that Pinterest link that we're going to leave, there's also charts for iridology and teeth.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. For iridology, that's a helpful thing, but I think people are better off seeing somebody like you that's experienced with it because there are so many different things that go along with it. It's not just one little thing they're going to be able to look at. You have to put everything together. And that's one of the things that we're going to be talking about next week is how things balance each other out and work together because we're going to be talking about holistic care and how the different organs coordinate and function and affect each other and the systems affect each other because a lot of times when people go to see their medical doctor, they'll focus on a set of symptoms and a specific organ or system that's behind that. But sometimes the actual problem is a few places up the chain or down the chain. We're going to wrap that up a little bit more in this next episode by going over the interrelations between the organs and the systems and how all of that has to be looked at and not just focus on one thing because of a set of symptoms. So that's going to be next week's episode. All right. We'll talk next week. See you then. Thanks for joining us this week on the Body Chat Podcast. We both really appreciate your time and your attention. We want to provide you with interesting and informative episodes each week. And if you have a topic you'd like us to cover or any questions you'd like us to answer, send an email to us at info at That's info at To make sure you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, subscribe to the Body Chat Podcast now on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. See you next week.